Okay, I think I'm recording. Let me put this up here. Good morning, good morning. Right now it's currently 8.54 a.m. And like promised, I'm here with an episode. Um, I did a record last week, which I'm thinking I'm going to do this podcast thing every other week. Bear with me. But um, last week, if you tuned into my Instagram, you saw that I had an IG Live episode um, with a good friend of mine, Nisa. And we got to invite Sean. Let me make sure I'm saying his name right. But um, from the um, viral Instagram video um, from the show, Eight at the Table, um, where they were discussing what women bring to the table. So if you haven't checked that out already, Rashawn, yes, his name is Rashawn. So yes, um, please check that out on the Voice of Reason pod Instagram. Um, it was a very... Very good conversation, and I personally learned a lot just from the male perspective, and I don't know. You guys got to check it out to see. But for the past two weeks, I was trying to decide what my uh, this episode was going to be about because last, I mean, last episode did really good, and I, I got a lot of great feedback. And I, I'm this season, I'm really trying to be more vulnerable and just more, um, more intimate with my listeners. So with so many topics that like came across my mind in the past few uh, weeks, the past two weeks because of experiences I was having um, from trauma bonds, a conversation about trauma bonds, about detachment. And I'm still trying to decide which one I'm going to talk about with y'all today. But in the meantime, can we talk about how much of a coffee person I am now? It's really like the weirdest thing ever because I used to really judge people. Actually, I know I worked in the city, corporate America for some time. And people used to really be operating like coffee was crack. Like they couldn't really live without it. <laughs> and I used to think that was the weirdest thing ever. Like, but lo and behold, here I am. Coffeed up like a crackhead. Cause I really need my dose of coffee every day. Not just because I'm tired, but it definitely does give you a, a different type of energy. Like you want to be more social. You feel like you could conquer the world. And yeah, I've been on that lately. Um, But you know what? We're going to talk about, because there's so much as, I, I guess we'll go into what, what happened to me in the past two weeks. I've been, I guess because I'm turning 30 in December. Woo, and I'm really not the type to... Um, press about, uh, you know, milestone birthdays. You know how we always feel like, oh, it just feel like any other year. But I have to say, getting closer and closer to, to 30 is different. And I don't know if it's necessary. I don't want to associate it to 30 because I'm not one of those people that look at 30 as old or young or whatever, like, you know, over obsessing about the number itself. But for some reason, me stepping closer and closer to this age has been such a huge transition for me and I'm so thankful because um I always sit with myself like I'm really not the type to obsess about what I need to have like materialistically like oh, okay when I get this age I need to have this I've never been that type of person I never planned out my life like that like oh when I'm this age I gotta do this when I'm this age I gotta have this but I am very very big on planning out the type of person I want to be and not just for any other reason than it's just fun like I really love to sit and self-reflect and be like 
uh, I've noticed, I noticed I could be like this. I want to see if I could switch it up and be something else. Or I'll learn, I'll, uh, I'll notice like a negative trait I may have or a trait that I'm just bored with or a trait that just doesn't benefit me. And I'll just try to tackle it like, uh, like figure it out or change it or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Or just practice overcoming, coming out of that characteristic trait. So the person that I'm stepping into as I get closer and closer to 30, I just love her. Like, I love like who she is, what she represents, how she thinks. So I'm definitely going to treat this birthday like the milestone it is. But it's more so about who I am at this day than it is the age in itself. So I guess we'll go into a detachment. You know, we, uh, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just moved to talk about this because, you know, the word manif manifesting has been a trend now and a thing. I don't want to like toot my own, own horn, but it's something I've been doing since a kid, even though I didn't know, you know, I didn't put a name to it. I've been very successful, like at, um, just manifesting stuff. And I know like, uh, I'm a Sagittarius The Sagittarius are known for being very lucky um, you know, we don't like the word luck because it's like, no, you're blessed. But for real, for real, I'm not going to lie. A lot of times it's luck because I can't, I can't always explain how certain things come about for me. A lot of times, even things that I, I wasn't, that wasn't on my prayer list. But when it comes to manifesting, I think the, the biggest part a lot of people mess up or overlook is the detachment part. Like you have to, like the, the steps you hear over and over about manifesting is like, you got to, uh, you know, have something that you want, believe that you're going to get it. But then you, the final part is the a part I don't hear a lot of people talk about. And some people may overlook and that's detachment. That is like wanting it, knowing you wanted it, believing you can get it and then forgetting about it, not caring about it. And a lot of people, uh, try to manifest or decide to use the whole manifesting technique when they're really thirsty for something. And the thing is, thirst does not work for manifesting because thirst is when you're thirsty for something. I'm using the word thirsty. I can't think of any other word. But when you really, really want something from a place of fear, that's what I what I call thirst. Like it's one thing wanting something because you believe you deserve it. And it's another thing to want something because you're sitting in the fact that you don't have it and you're afraid that you're never going to get it. So. I want to talk about this level of detachment because I don't, it's important one of one, but as I was like sitting reflecting on my whole journey to 30 and just how transition, how, uh, how much of a transition this year was for me and last year, I was like, geez, how, like, you know, I'm in a place right now, like, geez, literally last year a lot of the stuff that I have now and not even materialistically, just mentally where I am with myself now was not my case last year. Like mentally, I was a whole completely different person. And I'm just like, geez, how did a lot of stuff come about? And it's like, I stopped caring about it. Like it, I really just, I detach, I fully detach. And even when I reflect on a lot of things that I've, uh, you know, accomplished in my past, it was really the detachment key that that got me to where I needed to go. So when we talk about detachment, people say, how do you detach? How do you like not care? It kind of ties into what we talked about last episode, which is being present and being grateful for what you have in the moment. 
But that's one key. But the other key is creating such scenarios in your present moment to make the thirst go away. I'm going to give a perfect example, actually. So I was thinking like, you know, um, two years ago, I like started this job or whatever. It was like a salary increase. I was a job that I really felt like, oh my God, this might gonna take me to the next level. Like, I don't know, it was just a huge accomplishment for me. But then at the same time, when I received it, I'm like, geez, I cannot imagine myself going beyond this. Like, how am I gonna get, I'm always thinking about my next move, even while I just got my current move. So I'm like, geez, okay. How am I going to get a higher pay than this? How am I going to get a higher status than this? How am I going to get, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's next? Like, and um, this job turned out to be the most toxic. I'm sure I talked about it before. Like, it was my worst. I feel like we all have to experience a toxic work environment once in our lifetime. Like, I had jobs I didn't like. But when we talk about toxic, like, the people, I had jobs that I didn't like, but I fucked with the people. And that got me. You know, that that was able to get me through until I was able to get another job. But when I'm talking about a job, the people are toxic and like just how the American work, work culture is set up. You have to spend eight hours at work, um, five days a week. That's the majority of your life. So like I don't even like hanging. Up. I wouldn't even hang around people I don't like. Imagine being forced to be in a space with these people. So you know, people who've experienced toxic work environments. I'm not gonna lie because before I experienced it, I used to really like look at people as crybabies. Like when they're like, I don't like my job. I want to quit. I don't feel comfortable. Like maybe it's the African in me, or because I was raised by African parents. It's like you got to do what you got to do. Like you know what I'm saying, but. After that experience, I definitely understand when people say they got to leave a job for their mental health or they don't like the people because that place took so much of a toll on me. I was getting heart palpitations. I went to my doctor's office and she saw my blood pressure was raised. She's like, I got to get you out of there. She was trying to get me forms and stuff to just like get take me to go on a leave. It was just bad. Like Sundays, I used to be just crying. Like I got to go to this place. I used to be on the phone crying with people like, bruh, I like that, that director was bullying me, but either, neither or I have responsibilities and I have bills. And this was one out at that point in my life. I had, uh, like I had from, after I graduated from school, I had like four jobs at this point. This was like my fourth job and each job paid more than the last. Okay. And each job paid more than the last, but every time I got more, my bills became more. So this was really living like basically check to check. Like I, all my bills was dependent on my job. So it was really like I was between a rock and a hard place because it's like, bro, when I leave here, I ain't like, I, what am I going to do? So that was the struggle phase that I was in. So on my lunch breaks, I would sit down and I would plan. I was like, I would write out all my books. I would write, out, it's crazy. Oh, just another moment of gratitude. It's been such a long time since I've pulled out a notepad and have to plan out my bills. And I just want to thank God. I could, I could cry right now because that used to be the story of my freaking life for the longest, like literally every pay period. Like I'm getting paid this, this, like literally had to plan out my checks. I have not done that in the past two years and i just want to thank god <laughs> two, two to three years yeah two years oh yeah three years probably anywho um i will plan it out i will see where i can decrease because then at this point it was like my goal is for them to fire me i couldn't take it no more 
I was like, they got to fire me. If they fire me, I'm going to get unemployment. Now, I already had an idea of what unemployment would pay me because I've been on unemployment before. So I had, which was is probably way less, like three times less than <laughs> what my check was at that current moment. So I had to really figure things out. So I was able to like, um, one, I had a car that I was leasing. And I leased that car when I had a job in Jersey. And literally two months later, I got a job in New York. And we all know no one drives to New York. So I really didn't need my car. I didn't use my car until, unless it was on weekends. So my lease was coming close to an end around the time that I was experiencing this, um, this toxic work environment. God makes no mistakes. And I was like, all right, I had the choice of keeping my car and just, you know, financing it or returning the lease. So I was like, you know what? All right, I'm a, I battled between that decision back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the biggest part of that decision is I used to tell myself all the time, my biggest thing is once I step to another level, I don't ever want to backtrack. That's the theme I go into in my life. Like if I'm, I don't be pressed to get anything unless I know it's going to remain. If, I, if I'm going to level up instead of level down. Or whatever and I was taking that I still think like this but at the time I realized like I was taking that that saying too literal leveling downgrading in one area of your life when it levels up another area is not you fully like backtracking or falling off in life you know what I'm saying so my lease I got it you know leases be like I got it in what 2015 so it was a 2015 Honda Accord. So in my mind, it's like, okay, after this car, I'm going to level up. I'm going to have more money. I'm going to get a better car. I'm going to do this, do that. But so the fact that I had to get rid of my car completely and not have no car, it was like, oh, hold up. This is not the theme of the life I like to live. Like, what is this? Like, did I fall off in life? But in reality, I was like, I realized like me downgrading in that area of my life upgraded other areas of my life. And the thing is, the older, I always say this, once you're in the game of life, there's you can't departmentalize every area of your life. Your relationship life, your family life, your work life, your financial life, it's one. It is not separate things. So if you fall off in your love life, meaning like let's say you break up out of a long-term relationship, that's that that may have upgraded your professional life or that may have upgraded your mental like you know your spiritual life like if it upgrades another area of your life it's not a fall off because it, all of it is working together to make, give you the life that you need you desire and your you deserve so um so at the time it was like all right fuck it i'm gonna you know my lease was the main thing taking up my money that wasn't a necessity at the time like not only that i didn't have a car but i mean because not only because um, um, I didn't need the car because I was working in New York, I had family that I could really depend on. Like I had my brother-in-law who worked right around the corner from my house who would let me take his car all the time when I'm at work. So the main things I would need my car for is if I have doctor's appointments, like all of my appointments and stuff for like in a further parts of Jersey. So I'm like, you know, I can make it work. Like I got people I could depend on if need be. And then two, I had no problem walking Uber and shit, even catching the bus if I needed to. Like I was already used to that city life where I had to catch the train all the time. So I was cool on that. But long story short, so I, I, my car gave up. I was just finding out like, you know, different things that I can like remove 
from or whatever. And I, I was paying a lot of bills. That's the thing. People be like, they want more money. I never want more money. I want less bills. I don't care if I have a million dollars. If 900,000 of that, those dollars are going to bills, I'm going to be depressed. I hate bills. I hate I hate being confined to things. And I feel like bills is just that. Like if I can get rid of any bill possible and pay anything off, I just do it because let me tell you, okay? I had a $4,000 credit card I got in college when I was broke from lying, okay? Me and my friend, I needed a credit card really quick. I needed the credit card because I got an intern at the uh, internship at the Wendy Williams show and I didn't know how I was going to pay to get back and forth from the city, which was like, you know, the monthly the monthly ticket was like 300 a month. I was coming from like far. It was like a two hour commute. So my friend's like, fuck it, I got a plan. And we we lied and got me a credit card for $4,000. And that credit card is, is how I survived college, okay? That's how I financially survived college. And I was paying that off for so long because I kept maxing it out and just only paying the minimum. Don't ever make that mistake. So I had credit card bills. I just had a whole bunch of unnecessary bills. I got, I, I was able to downsize as much as possible to ensure that once I get fired, because I knew I had to get up out of there. Or like, you know, once I was able to agree to get them to let me go, I can survive or whatever. So I did just that. Everything planned out the way it was supposed to. My boss called me in talking about um, they want to put me on probation. She hated me. She knew I already started going on a, uh, going to HR about her. So she was trying to cover herself. So she was like, um, you know, they gave me the option to either stay with them or like, oh, okay, we'll give you a severance package if you decide to leave. Like, that's your way of saying, like, this girl could really get us a lawsuit because she was terrible. So I was like, boom, I made my decision. I was like, I want to leave. And I went on unemployment. And I was on unemployment for like about two months, living my best life. Then I got another job, a contract job for Nickelodeon. Then I was let go because of the pandemic. Now that gets me to the point of like manifesting from a place of fact and creating your a situation that makes sense enough to convince you that you will get what you desire. When the pandemic hit, like, and I got, well, the pandemic hit, I was working from home for a little bit. Then we got the call that they had to let go all of their contract workers. So at this point, I was like out of a job three times. Like, so I'm used to it at this point. I already knew the spiel. I got unemployment, blah, blah, blah. But at this point, I because of me downsizing on my bills, the money I was bringing in, I was finally at a place with myself where I wasn't living check to check. Like I, I had money after I paid my bills. And because I was operating in that place, the thirst of, oh, I need more money because of fear. Like, oh my God, if I don't get no more money, I'm going to be struggling where I was before. That, that fear no longer existed. So when I got on unemployment, then on top of that, you know, they was giving stimmies and all this extra stuff, like, you know, the extra 600, I was balling, okay? Because my bills was at the far bottom. Like I was making, with the stimulus and all of that, I was making close to what I was making working. But the difference this time is I wasn't living check to check and I wasn't in a place of thirst. Like, oh, I need this because, oh my God, I got to make ends meet or whatever like that. So I was I was in a place of, ooh, okay, this is a place of peace. But of course, I still wanted more money. And of course, I needed more money. You know what I'm saying? But being while being on unemployment, I was able to, um, I was like, all right, bro, this is my third time, like, being without a job. My next job, like, you know, I'm tired of this narrative. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't need to make money just to make ends meet no more. Now, I want to make money with a purpose. 
I want I want to be compensated for my time, for my talent. Before, when I was looking for a means of income, it wasn't from that place. And this applies to just people who are just comfortable with a nine to five. People who are trying to own a business, operating from a place of I deserve this amount of money because I am super talented or I have the information or my time is valuable from that mindset it's 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 powerful so because I was no longer like okay I need them and people need me I was able to really desire and manifest like I was thinking to myself okay what do I want I put down the number I wanted the salary I wanted to make the type of job I wanted to have the things that I wanted to be used for and lo and behold, and I think I touched on this last episode, I was able to get that. I was able to get that. And like, um, when I was reflecting on that, like, geez, how do I, because I always tell people, pay attention to the theme of your life. Every life has a theme. Like you'll, you'll know, like, you know, when people are like, I don't know what's my purpose. I don't know what's my destiny. Sit down and pay attention to your life. Like, Think about the time, what, what worked when, think about the times when things didn't work out for you, even, and think about the times that things did work out for you. And even though those are all can be different situations, there's the, it was still the same you. Like I'm, I'm starting to like, now I'm at the point of 30, like where I'm just getting closer to 30 that I'm just like, yo, nobody can, I know me. Like, I know me. Like, I now can say yes and no to things because I know me. Like, I know how I function. And saying it out loud, like, the things, the ways that I function cannot make no sense to somebody when I say it out loud. But it makes sense to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, where? I lost my train of thought. So, yeah. So, when I was um, thinking, when I was... uh. It's this coffee. I'm telling you, coffee. It's probably eating my damn brain cells. <laughs> As I take another sip. Yeah, so from, okay, I guess in general, from this place of um, thirst, when you remove that place of thirst and are able to just think about the things you deserve and you want and just manifest from that energy, it is powerful. So now that... um the theme of life. Yes. Knowing the theme of your life. I've learned as I paid attention to just a lot of previous situations as, as, as even as far back as to when I was a kid, like in elementary school and I, I wanted something, I desired something. I paid it. I remember like, you know, how, how things worked out and how things didn't work out. And based, based on the state that I was in mentally, spiritually, all of that stuff. And I say this to say, to bring us back to like the idea of detachment, what I mean by detachment or what, you know, what the whole process of manifesting, when they say you need to detach, all they're saying is you cannot operate from a place of thirst because thirst is operating from a place of fear and fear is operating from a place of you don't believe. And what is the key of manifesting is believing that you have it. Like just think about, um, you have it, you deserve it. Um, just think about when it comes to kids, when you say, oh, kids have attachment issues, like they're attached to their mom. It's not necessarily that they love their mom so much that they're attached. It's that they're so afraid of people that they're attached to their mother. They're so afraid of strangers. They're so afraid of unfamiliar faces. They're so afraid of the outside world, world that they attach to their mom. And 
what ends up happening is that they lose out on time of that, you know, developmental stage, you, you know, physical interaction with people that every human needs to grow. So anything when you hear attachment to it, it's attachment necessarily is not a good thing because when you're attached to something, you fear it. That's why, you know, we me everyone jokes about me and I joke about myself. Like I don't like clingy people and they, it could be my Zodiac thing, but I, that could be a lie because it's not that I don't mind people who love me enough to want to be around me, but I can always sense when people are attached to me out of a place of fear. Like you'll notice a lot of the clingy people, people who are clingy by nature, usually lack sociable abilities to make to make friends or to trust, whether it's from a place of lack of trust or they don't trust themselves or something bad really happened to them. So they're very, they're very, they don't have a social life or they, it's very difficult for them to, to establish relationships. So when they do find the people that they're able to establish relationships with, they cling on to them. And that clinginess is from a place of fear that damn, if I, this is my only person. And if this person is is not with me or is not my friend no more, if I lose this person, I have nothing. And I always can sense when clinginess is from that space. And it makes me extremely uncomfortable. One, it makes me uncomfortable and it makes me lack a, a level of trust for that person. Because you, you, you do, when you sense it, you do kind of feel used, like... Okay, like you use not probably materialistically, but it's like geez, this person, you feel kind of like smothered, like because this person's operating from a place of fear. It's different when you have someone who's clingy. Not and clingy is not the word. When you genuinely love being around someone and you genuinely just embrace, love their presence, love everything, not from a place of fear because you have nothing else, but because you have so many other options, but you appreciate this option as well, it doesn't come off clingy. The person feels doesn't feel smothered. They feel appreciated. You know what I'm saying? Like you can tell when someone and when I say appreciated, I'm not just saying, oh, thank you for doing this for me and thank you for doing that for me. I can always sense when people appreciate who I am as an individual. And oh, this is crazy because this ties into the second thing I wanted to talk about that I thought I wasn't going to talk about. I can always sense when people, and when I say this, I had this issue in friendships where I've had wonderful friends who like will do whatever for me, but I've had experiences when I knew people, people were my friend, but they really didn't appreciate me because the 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 conflicts we we would have will be based on things that it's like that's my personality like you 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 clearly don't know me if you don't realize this is this is me like this is what I stand for or whatever but the thing is I realized a lot of those relationships it was that clingy place out of place of fear I am sociable but i'm also able to make people who are not sociable feel comfortable so i tend to be a magnet to trauma bonds i tend to be a huge magnet to trauma bonds because people who have so much fear um on establishing relationships because of things they went through or how they think when they meet someone like me who are naturally embraceive like you know what i'm saying they or maybe understand where they're coming from and can tackle i guess it's uh, being a sad mutable signs we know how to adjust ourselves to different personality traits not in a sense of being fake but we're big on relating to people 
So anybody I talk to, whether it be an associate, a friend, a family, like for, for me to really be engaged in a conversation with you or an experience with you, I have to relate to you. So we always find a place where we can relate to somebody with and establish our bond from there. But unfortunately, if it's somebody who's operating from a place of their trauma, it ends up becoming a trauma bond. And, um, you know, my friend Nisa, I had to call her because she's she's the person I call like when I'm trying to process she's my cancer friend and we know cancers are fillers so she always helps me process I know I can be very militant in how I think and sometimes lack emotion or lack empathy in my thought process not in my personality I'm a very empathetic person but in my thought process I'm very logical like too logical so I don't I don't insert the human emotion aspect of certain situations. So I always call her to help me process how I should think of something if I feel like I'm lacking the emotional intelligence that's needed for the conversation. And I was trying to see, like, you know, I've noticed uh, I had two or three similar situations happen back to back where um, I'll give an example where I like will talk to a friend will tell me about something. Right. And I will understand where they're coming from, just from a relatable place. Like, okay, we've all experienced this before. Like, let's say you say, uh, oh, you don't like someone or heartbreak, like anything or whatever. I'll understand it and I'll bond with them on that. Like, as, meaning like if I, you're talking to me, I know how to listen from the perspective of who you are. But that does not mean I'm neglecting who I am. So if somebody tell me, oh, I'm mad, at, I'm mad about this, da, 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 this person did this. When I say uh, I understand, I understand because I understand who you are. So I understand that you are a person that would get mad at something like this. But I, I don't always interject and be like, well, I wouldn't get mad because that's just not how I listen to people. But there's been many uh, those uh, repeating instances where because I try to under I understand people from who they are, that they assume that okay this is how I am, and then they get upset when they realize no I'm not like that. <laughs> like I understand why you're like that, but that don't mean I'm like that. And it made me reflect like geez I think I really uh, I'm afraid to continue to attract people who really don't know me because of my ability to empathize and understand who they are. I feel like I don't get that same grace in return. And I was like, really makes me sad because I really feel like I've, I have gone through life where like I've established relationships with a lot of people, but I really feel like 10% of them really know me. And when I say know me, not just saying, oh, you do this, you do that, like really st study me in the way that I study people. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because I understand that my need to study people is a personal personality trait. It's not that I'm a better friend or a better person. That's just how I operate. And everybody don't operate like that. So I was like, I need to start becoming more intentional and in who I am. Like, because I didn't think that people, I don't think people understand that. Um, so yeah, that, that trauma bond, I, I say this to say like when clinginess is from a place of fear, or like just in general, when you operate from a fear, place of fear, it's not an authentic place to be. Peace is the human's authentic state. State. Fear is not. You will be whoever if you're afraid. I'm not a murderer. But if I see somebody coming up to me with a knife about to stab me and I got a gun, what y'all think I'm going to do? So that's what I'm saying. When you are operating from a place of fear, you will do whatever. You will do whatever. You would do whatever. And that's that's my weariness with clingy people because 
if you're like this with me, there's only a matter of time where somebody else will give you the dose that you need. And then where would you stand with me? So that's where my weary and lack of trust come with clingy people. Because I'm just like, I want to see you have hella options. I want to see you embrace other options and still embrace me. That's what I want to see. Like, that's what I mean. And like, friend, I love a friend that has their own life, have their own friends. And it's like, damn, you still choose to hang with me? Or you cho still choose to invite me? Or uh, even my love life. I love for you to have your own life. And you still want to be with me? And you still want to? When it's like, I'm your only, I be, mm, I be scratching my head. Like, I'm your only friend? Or I'm your only lifeline? Like, I'm your only... That's weary because that's that's really like that's not a that's not a safe <laughs> feeling for me. Like, because what happens when I can't deliver or you know, or whatever. So that's that's all ties into like, you know, operating from a place of fear and being able to manifest from a place of peace and just yeah, just a just a place of peace. So I guess I mean I'll close this off by saying to not forget that uh, one detachment is the the key point of manifesting working. I know it's easier said than done. Like oh okay just detach. No the reality the way you detach is you make your factual you make your present moment as close as possible as to what you're trying to manifest. For example I was I will I, every day I'm still trying to manifest wealth. But in order for me to manifest wealth, I have to be in a situation where I feel wealthy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ain't rich. But me, this this um, releasing a lot of my bills and decreasing a lot of my bills and just being able to operate where I have a little bit more money left over in my checks for me, that makes me feel wealthy. Because that's honestly what we want more money for, to feel like you have enough. I want more money so I have enough. Enough don't always got to be an extra million. You can feel wealthy with an extra $100 in your account for you. You can feel wealthy by saying, like, you know what? I could do, I could splurge on me a little bit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Which is actually another part of me that I'm working on. Because it's not about having the extra money. We, like, you know, we say we want to have the extra money to live a certain life. But when we're still operating from that place of fear. Like, I'm not going to lie. Even with me, like, you know, decreasing my bills and stuff like that and just having a little bit of more money left over and not having to live check to check, I still was operating from a place of fear. Meaning, and this doesn't really relate to my current, like, you know, just my present mode from a kid. Like, my life changed drastically so many times that I'm very tight with my money. In the sense that I always think like, oh my God, you got to save your money. Something might happen. This might happen. Like I'm always operating from this place of fear. Like what if something happened? Because I was, I, I've lived so long in a place of financial scarcity. And I'm just now literally talking, as I'm getting closer and closer to 30, I'm literally talking myself out of that. Like I have to force myself to buy, like the other what day, I bought a bag that was... A little over a hundred dollars, and that was a lot for me to do mentally. Financially, I was able to do it, but mentally, to be like you about to spend this money, like the only thing I splurge on is traveling, because the 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 desire to travel is higher than my fear. You know what I'm saying? We all have something that we desire more. Just like okay, I was living a check by from a check by check or maxing out my credit card, but I'm gonna still get something to eat. 
right? I'm gonna still get I was still getting things to eat. If I say I want pizza today, I'm gonna get pizza. If I say I'm gonna go out to eat, I was still doing that because of course my desire to eat was higher than my fear of um, you know, of being broke or my card being negative or whatever, or my credit card maxing out. So, you know, I feel like you can rewire your brain to make your desire for certain things higher than the your fear of something. You know what I'm saying? You can you can finesse your mind to change that. The same way we are with food. I could I could have oh, $20 in my account and I want food that's $21. Oh, well, I'm a, I'm this car going on negative then because of my desire to eat or my my desire to taste this specific food. You can do that about different things in your life and as you do that, that's what elevates your ability to manifest. So I'm now trying to rewire my brain to not operate from this place of scarcity and operate from a place of, mm, I desire to, to be, have nice things more than I fear something, you know, not having enough money. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, I'm talking about desire. I'm not talking about real life stuff. I would like meaning like, oh, I'm, I'm dead broke, but I'm about to go spend my money or whatever. Like you, you know, we all have different things in our life and we prioritize differently. I'm a mother, of course, like I'm a mother, I'm a, a, I'm an adult, meaning I don't have anybody that I can sit and fully put all my responsibilities on. So because of that, certain things I prioritize higher than others. I can't go broke for certain things. Other people, maybe if you don't have kids or you, you have, you know, parents that still take care of you, you can. So, you you know, you gotta, you gotta raise that and rate that based on you and what your circumstances and nothing is right is or wrong it's based on you however based on the things that i prioritize i'm starting to realize certain things can be bought down you know as you go through life as you have experiences as you elevate through life you can rearrange what you're prioritizing like i'm and i'm realizing and i'm i'm working on realizing that Financial scarcity is not something that I have to have so high at the top of my list anymore. And not because I'm rich, but it's because I now figured out the formula for me, for me spiritually, that's going to ensure that I'm always able to rise in those circumstances. So it's not a fear I have to have anymore. And because of that lack of thirst and because of changing around that situation, now the life that I want to manifest about being rich and having multiple cars and having mansions is going to be a reality. It's going to feel real. It's going to really feel like I can get it. I'm going to really believe it. And I also can detach from the thirst of wanting it. Just because I, if I'm right now with the funds that I have doing something small, like, you know what? I'm taking myself to the spa today. Or I'm going to splurge on this little, you know, this bag and not think twice. When I'm doing that in my reality, in my present moment, the mind stores that feeling as a norm. It stores it. So, you know, spending $60 on a massage today is the same feeling Kim Kardashian had when she bought her mansion. Two different things, two different financial, you know, costs. But it's the same feeling. You have to store the feelings that you want to make it feel real. Like when you're manifesting, you have to store the feelings. If I know what it feels like to splurge on myself on a hundred plus a hundred dollar bag, 
I'm going to definitely know what it feels like to get a mansion. So I'm going to be familiar with that. And my energy is always going to go towards that. But when you're operating from a place of fear, from a place of thirst, all you're relating to is what it feels like to not have it. And you're storing that feeling as well. So your life is always going to attract situations that keep you in that, in that, you know, scraping type of mentality. And we, a lot of times we think that's, oh, I'm motivated because I don't never want to go broke. I'm motivated because, no, honey, you are motive, you're a manifesting struggle when you think like that. I'm motivated because I never want to go broke versus I'm motivated because I, you know, when I was on unemployment with between the stimulus check and all of that and my bills decreasing, all I kept saying to myself, I know what it feels like to have more than enough. While being on unemployment, let me repeat, being on unemployment, I, for the first time, what it knew and felt and stored the feeling in my mind of what it felt like to have more than enough. And all I can think was, I don't know when I'm going to get a job, but I know when I get this job, it has to be more than enough. I got to be paid more than enough. I wasn't operating on unemployment from a place of, oh my God, okay, I need to get a job because I got these bills. Because of the way God and was allow, was able to direct me to finesse my life, it was because he needed me to know what it felt like. Like we pray for things. God ain't no magician. He is not going to just give it to you. He's going to have to go based off what's going on in your life. So of course, because I was praying and desiring for just more money and to be in a more comfortable space financially, he used my situation to make that happen. My situation was, okay, I need to her to hate this job. I need her to hate this job enough to the point that she'll be willing to go on unemployment. I've never been like that ever in my life. Because my mindset was, you know, you work, you got to pay bills. Like when people used to be like, I quit my job. I used to look at them with a a question mark like what or like they want to get fired from their job i used to really judge them and god put me in a situation you put put me in a circumstance or gave me a feeling based on my situation he couldn't be like okay she wants to be a millionaire let me give her a business no that's not what he gonna do he gonna use your situation so he used my situation of hating making sure i hated my job enough to the point that i'll be comfortable with unemployment unemployment, therefore forcing me to look into my finances and make more executive decisions to help me, you know, be able to survive on unemployment. Only for unemployment to happen, boom, pandemic hit. And long story short, here I am. And I know I would never go back. I know, and when I say never go back, not saying I would never be broke, God forbid. But what I'm saying is the mindset. I'm telling you, I was broke not because I didn't have. I was broke because I was operating from a place of thirst. My first job out of college, I was making $8.25 an hour. Thirsty, okay? Ever since then, every job after that, it's like, I got to make a little bit more. My bills get higher. I got to make a little bit more. My bills get higher. I was thirsty the whole way through. And he knew that thirst... It's just not that's the, the for for somebody to be operating from a place of thirst and and, and to get it it's it's it's, it's almost like a magic word. That's impo- it's almost impossible for that to happen. You have to really believe that you can get it and sometimes he'll change around your situation and do that. Um so I just want to thank you all for tuning in. I'm going to leave you guys with that thought. Like always, please subscribe, like, download this podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple um, Apple Podcasts. Follow me on the Voice of Reason pod on Instagram, or you can follow my personal page, xo.kadi, K-A-D-I underscore. And 
Let me know what y'all want to talk about the next episode. If you listen to this um, whole episode and you like it, please reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter, wherever you follow me, and let me know what you guys want to discuss. Bye.